Welcome, everyone, to episode number three of the Juhu Roadshow podcast, OnRamp. Now, OnRamp is a supplementary podcast to our primary podcast, which is the Juhu Roadshow, um, which can be found exclusively on Patreon, which is uh, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com, patreon.com forward slash Juhu. Um, love for you to come check that out and listen to our interviews and shows and, and some of our special guests. Um, now, the, the on-ramp, the show that we're doing now is, is, is really to kind of introduce everyone to who I am and why the hell you would want to listen to the Juhu Roadshow. Uh, Juhu, of course, in case you're wondering where the hell that name came from, is the first uh, two letters of my first and last name, Justin Hunt, Juhu. Pretty witty, right? Anyhow, um, so what the on-ramp is for is to just kind of give some background of who I am and what I do and how I've gotten here and, and uh, you know, let you get to know me uh, a little easier so that um, you can decide for yourself if you want to hear me interview athletes and musicians and artists and homicide detectives and, and you know, NASCAR crew chiefs and have fun on, this, on the show. So, um so, yeah, this is just kind of my way of introducing you to me and, and, and uh, giving you a little bit of my backstory. Um, in episode two, we were kind of wrapping up um, the beginning for me, uh, and, and I had told you a little bit about my siblings, and I thought, uh, you know, I thought it would be good to kind of put a bow on that by, you know, giving you the trajectory of each one of their lives and kind of catching you up to speed, um, and, and my parents as well. Uh, and then we can move on from that and kind of get into a little bit more modern time. But uh, after after the, the series of events that we talked about in episode two that kind of, you know, changed the trajectory of the Hunt family, um, everybody kind of went their own direction. And I just thought I would go over what direction that was for, for each particular person and, and kind of give you an update. And I'll start with the the closest to me in age, which is my brother Lonnie, who's nine years older than me. Um, you know, Lonnie got got hurt pretty badly in in 1983, and and came back from that and wanted to be a jockey, um, but he just got too big, poor guy, because uh, that's all he ever wanted to do was be a jockey. Um, he just got too big, and so he uh, he finished out high school. He graduated from Fruta Monument in Colorado. He wrestled a little bit. Um, and then he went into the military, went into the army and the infantry. He was in the mortar platoon in the infantry. And, uh, actually when I was a freshman in high school, he was sent to uh, fight in desert storm, which is pretty crazy. And, um, while he was in desert storm, um, he was with the mortar platoon and they were moving in towards Kuwait, if I remember right. And they had stopped one night to, um, to camp, I guess. And um, the mortar platoon was kind of surrounded by this this circle of tanks. So the way my brother tells this story is um, he uh, they were sitting around shooting the shit and he got up to go take a leak uh, on the outside of the tanks. And so he walks over to take a piss and, and he's kind of done and, and he left his he left his gun with his buddies. Um, and so. Um, all he had on him was his bayonet. And so he starts to walk back and he hears this commotion. And so, you know, obviously being a soldier, he an infantry, infantry soldier, he uh, kind of snuck around to see what was going on. And 
uh, a handful of, I, I don't know if you'll remember this or not, but a handful of uh, Saddam's elite Republican Guard. Do you guys remember the Republican Guard? This elite Republican Guard contingency had had uh, kind of ambushed his buddies in the middle of this circle of tanks. And there were three of them attacking my, my brother's buddies. And so this is the way my, my brother tells it, but he snuck up behind the first the first Republican guard guy, and all he had was his bayonet. And he snuck up behind the first one and slit his throat. And then um, he got in a scrap with the second one and got behind him and stabbed him in, in the kidney area down in the lower back and kind of went around, and that was the end of that guy. And then he got in a fist fight with the third guy, and the third guy got on top of him, and, and I'm quoting here, I'm paraphrasing, um, my brother stabbed him just above, this is my brother's phrasing, he stabbed him just above the nuts and didn't stop till he hit his chin. And that was the end of that guy. And uh, I think that was the end of whatever innocence was left of Lonnie. Um, and uh, But it did get him a bronze star. He earned a bronze star uh, in Desert Storm for that. And he saved his he saved his two buddies' lives. And, and, um, and so, yeah, I mean, that's something to be proud of. Uh, then he uh, <clears throat> he left the army, and uh, kind of went into car dealership stuff. He was a car salesman, and in the Houston area, did that, did some roofing stuff, and uh, has a family. Um, he's got uh, well, he's got a son, Glenn, uh, who's geez, close to thirty now. He lives in in Grand Junction, Colorado, and then he's got Tucker and Tyler. I think they're both college age now. Uh, Tyler's probably such a cool kid. Tyler's such an amazing kid. And Tucker is Tucker's a great kid as well. He was actually um really good gymnast and when I say really good I mean, you know, like national champion, potential Olympian. Uh, and I think he just kind of got burnt out on it and uh he stepped away from gymnastics, but um Lonnie lives in Oklahoma if I believe, if I if I recall correctly. I haven't talked to him for like 3 years now. Uh but um Lonnie lives in Oklahoma and, and uh, doing good as far as I know. Uh, Devlin, or Scooter, Scooter left um, Boone and went and worked on a horse ranch uh, for quite some time, actually. And I think that was probably the, the, the pinnacle of his life was that time that he, that he ran a ranch for a guy named Sonny Henderson. Um, that would be back in the late 80s, maybe early 90s. I'm not sure if it stretched that long. And then after he left that... Uh, it was, things got kind of rough for, for Scooter. Um, you know, he struggled with some things, drinking and fighting. It's, you know, I think, you know, when you watch the speed of orange, a a little bit more will make sense or it will make sense a bit more. Um, just kind of an angry guy that, you know, but you know, it's funny. I have a soft spot, a soft spot in my heart for him. And I think he, you know, he has the same because when I was a kid, Lonnie, my brother Lonnie just, he, dude, never liked me to begin with, but he just antagonized me all the time, picked on me all the time, and um, Scooter would always stand up for me and fight Lonnie to protect me, and uh, so I have a soft spot in my heart for for Scooter, but uh, he's struggled and has, has continued to struggle since. Um, spent some time in prison actually, um, and but uh, you know he's he's got a he's got a big heart. I think he's just kind of an angry guy, and uh, but. Um, uh, I think he, uh, actually helped my dad out with some stuff the other day. So it's good to see him kind of engaging with my dad. 
Um, but uh, I hope the best for him. I just know life's been a bit rough for him. Um, my sister Kelly, she uh, kind of went and did her own thing as well. Um, had some fun. She's a fun person to be around. She's just she's something else, man. She's uh, if you want to see what my sister Kelly looks like, I swear to goodness, it's crazy. Um, there's a scene in the Silence of the Lambs. Um, it's just this one particular scene that that she looks like Kelly. But when the when the girl is the girl that gets kidnapped when she's driving and she's singing uh, uh, Tom Petty's American Girl while she's driving, that's exactly what my sister Kelly looks like. It's pretty cool, actually. It always reminds me of Kelly when I see that movie. Um, but Kelly did her own thing, and and uh, she got married to a guy named Cal. Um, he was six four, and he left her because she beat the shit out of him all the time, which I think is kind of funny. <laughs> Kelly's oh my gosh, Kelly's tough. She's probably one of the last people on the planet I'd want to mess with. But uh, she um, she had a little spell in prison there as well. Um, actually, uh, she was on America's Most Wanted. Um, a little, uh, a little, um, bumper, you know, when they go into a commercial or come out of a commercial, um, she, uh, yeah, she made one of those cause she was on the lamb and they found her. She spent a few years in prison. So that's my sister Kelly, but she, uh, got out of prison has been married to a, a great guy named Mario for geez, 20 years now, or maybe more. And they've got two, they've got two girls, um, Shiloh and Cassidy and, and, uh, you know, they, they live up in the Denver area, which sadly is only like 45 minutes away from me, but I haven't spoken to Kelly for a few years, a few years either. I just, you know, to be completely candid with you, we just have a hard time relating. We just had such different lives, um, that we have a hard time relating, which is sad, but it's true. It is what it is. And that's, that's that, um, Burdette, Burdette, my stepmom, um, so Burdette came into the picture about 83 and she had a daughter, Jody, um, my stepsister who I just, Jody and I fought all the time in junior high and high school and we did some mean shit to each other. Oh my gosh. She, uh, yeah, she, um, she spread some rumors about me. Like when I was in second grade and told everybody I was in love with this stuffed ET doll which that you know when you're in second grade and someone tells you that kind of shit you believe it so everybody thought I was a freak for about a week um and she did that because she was mad that her friend Medea liked me I cannot believe I remember that Medea liked me and that pissed Jody off so she told everybody I was in love with an ET doll um and then when we got into high school uh it got even worse um she um she would <laughs> she would like I remember one time, um, she was going to go, uh, she was going to go tubing with some friends cause it, it snowed and they were going to go tubing and I wanted to go and she wouldn't let me go. And so I told, I told Burdette, I mean, this is, I told Burdette, this is crap. I just want to go tubing and, and, and Jody won't let me go. And so she tells, she tells Jody to, to, you know, let me come with him. So her friends get there and they're in this truck and we go to get in and, and Jody's like, there's no room up here. And so, I mean, there's tons of room. There's tons of room. And so she won't let me in. She locks the door. She's like, if you want to go, you have to ride in the back. And it was so damn cold. I just didn't go. So that was that was the kind of stuff Jody did. Uh, but I got her back. When she was a senior, I told the whole school she had crabs. <laughs> I'm, I probably shouldn't have done that. 
but it was funny. She forgave me, so we're good. But uh, Jody, I love Jody. Since then, we, uh, you know, we love each other to death. Um, even though Burdette and my dad aren't married anymore, Jody and I are still. I mean, Jody will always be my sister, always, 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 which is cool. Um, and uh, she, uh, she was married to a great guy named Charlie. They had a son, Cade, and and uh, unfortunately, Charlie passed away, and it was so quick. Um, God, I can't believe it was cancer, and it was just like, I think it was a matter of six weeks, and he was gone. So I always felt bad for her having to deal with that, but she's done a great job raising uh, Cade. She's got a new man in her life who's really, really cool guy. I met him, um, and so that's that's kind of where Jody is. Um, Burdette... Uh, Burdette and my dad divorced in 94, 95, or 96, one somewhere in there. Um, and uh, Burdette got remarried to a guy named Bob. Dr. Bob, he's a vet. It's such a cool guy. Bob is the coolest guy. And and what's really neat is that, you know, Burdette and my dad are still friends. Um, Bob and my dad get along really well. Um, and... Uh, yeah, it's just it's kind of weird, you know, but um, I just love hanging out with Burdette. And Burdette brought so much into into our household when I was a kid and with my dad, because I think with my dad, it would have been just work, 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 work. I worked my ass off with my dad. I'm not going to lie to you. When I was a kid, I missed out on a lot of stuff because we were working. And, you know, in the summertime when everybody's playing and stuff, I'd have to get up at four in the morning and go to work with my dad and go to the barn with my dad to the racetrack. Um, you know, and I know he was just trying to instill work ethic in me and he did, but I, I think it, I kind of got robbed of some things that I wish I hadn't, but he was only doing what he thought was best. And he was doing what he knew to do. Um, and, and I think he just loved my company. He loved having me with him. And, and, um, you know, I can't blame him for that, but, um, but Burdette brought some, some, number one, she brought some fun into the, into the family. I mean, my, my dad's a ton of fun. He's a big goofball and I'll, I'll have him on here, um, more than once I'm sure, but he didn't really know how to have fun outside that, that racing world. And so Burdette brought some things into the, into the, the, the mix that allowed us to have some fun and be kids and experience stuff outside of the racetrack, which was cool. And I think that's really where my, my life started kind of going a different direction where I wasn't going to be a part of that racetrack world my whole life, which I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for, but you know, she, she, and she, you know, taught us about manners and etiquette and, you know, how to behave, you know, so we didn't, <laughs> so we didn't act like racetrack heathens around people. Um, and, and she was just great for that. And she was so much fun, man. She was, she was a lot of fun. And so, um, I still, I, you know, even though they've been divorced for 20 something years, Burdette is still my stepmom. I still introduce her to people as my stepmom. I still look at her as my stepmom and, and we have a wonderful time together every time we're together. Now, uh, now that might seem a bit, it, this might seem a bit odd, but Burdette and my mom became extremely close extremely close. So to, to, to go with my mom, to kind of tell you more about where my mom went, and then I'll tie Burdette and my mom back together. Um, after my mom and dad split, uh, my mom went to Rito. So she tried to stay in the horse racing business for a while. She got married to Joey, who who was in the horse racing business in, in Louisiana. He was a jockey. His dad was a trainer. His brothers are trainers. Um, and so she kind of stayed in that racetrack world for a little while. But uh, 
I, I just, I, I, I don't know if she was tired of it or if she wasn't having the success without my dad or what, but she eventually got away from that. Um, we moved to Canutillo, Texas, and she, she used to work in this, this bar called Halls. And um, she would take me to work with her at this bar. She was a bartendress. And she would take me to work with her, and I would, I would, I would sit in this bar all night. And I remember they would give me all the quarters I needed to play shuffleboard, and I would play shuffleboard by myself. And uh, and um, the uh, the cool thing was, I remember precisely when it was. It was 1984, and I remember that because that that was the year that. Uh, Van Halen's album 1984 came out and I can remember as clear as day playing shuffleboard and listening to Panama uh, on the jukebox people would play it over and over and over and over and over in this place halls this little dingy dive bar Um, and so I mean you know some people you know the way things are today and how uptight everybody is like oh my gosh he was in a bar with his mom while she was working yeah I was in a bar with my mom while she was working it was badass because I got all the quarters I wanted, and I played shuffleboard for hours and hours and hours. And so um, that was a cool memory. And then, and then uh, we moved around a lot. We went to Texas, a couple places in Texas. We went to, um, to uh, Ocala, Florida, um, Louisiana. And my stepdad, Joey Butte, got into, uh, he was in the, the oil field. And so, you know, he did a good job providing and, 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 um, got to see some neat stuff. Um, but, uh, eventually they ended up back in Grand Junction, which is where I was born and where my mom and dad lived for a long time. And that's where Burdette lives. Well, Burdette and my mom got to be really close. They'd known each other for a long time. As a matter of fact, it's kind of ironic. I found a wind picture, which, you know, when a horse wins a race, they take a wind picture. I found a, a, a couple of wind pictures where my mom and dad are still married. And, um, you know, my dad's on the horse. My mom's holding the horse in the wind picture. And in the background, in the crowd, is Burdette and her dad and her family because they knew my dad. So, you know, you can make your own assumptions there about how that all played out or whatever. But it's just cool. So um, Burdette and my mom got to be very, very close uh, and, and, were, and, and continued to, they remained close until, um, until my mom passed away. So in 2010, I mean, everything was, everything was going great for my mom. Um, Joey, Joey had a great job and what Joey would go work. This arrangement was always kind of weird to me. Joey would go work, send his checks back to my mom. My mom would give him a little bit of an allowance to do his thing. And, and then she would take care of the money. That would be hard for me, but Joey was cool with it. Um, but they bought it. They bought a really nice little house there. My mom had it exactly how she wanted. You can see it in the Speed of Orange, actually, her her house when I interviewed her for the film. And uh, um, and then I think in 2010, she wasn't feeling well. She went to the doctor, and the doctor basically told her, you have cancer, and there's not much we can do. Well, you got to know my mom, but that, that didn't go well with her. That just pissed her off. She didn't, she didn't like the way that he told her. And so basically her response was, you know, well, kiss my ass. I'm going to handle it myself then. I don't believe you. And so she, she, she started eating better. She started thinking better. She started living better. She, she was going to beat this mentally, the cancer thing. And that's the sad part about cancer is that, um, you know, you might not see it on the surface, but it continues to do its thing. 
and it did. Um, and then I started making this movie, The Speed of Orange, and um, part of that movie was getting my parents inducted into the Horse Racing Hall of Fame. And uh, it, it was really neat because um, a couple of my siblings were there. Scooter didn't come. But uh, Lonnie and Kelly were there. Dad was there. Mom was there. I was there. Um, my kids were there. Lots of their friends and family was there. It was really cool to see them get inducted. But it was ironically that evening during during the celebration and during their induction. They had been in, inducted and given their speech and everything. But after when we were all sitting around talking and visiting with people, my mom got really sick and she had to go home and uh, or back to the hotel room. And that was in December. And the next month uh, in January, she came down. I was living in Phoenix at the time. And uh, she came down to go to there's a Mayo Clinic in, in Phoenix. Um, and she was going to go for, for treatment. Um, and, uh, she came down to live with me to do that. And, um, unfortunately she only got to go to one treatment because, um, Joey came down with her and he, you know, I don't know how, how this all played out, but Joey just lost his shit. He lost his mind. And like, literally, like I've never seen it happen before where somebody, completely loses touch with reality, but he did. I don't know if it was because he didn't know how to deal with what was going on with my mom or what, but, um, like I, we ended up having to kick him out of the house, but, um, my mom went for one treatment and when she went back for the second, they couldn't do it because her blood pressure was so high, um, more than likely because of the stress that had been caused by this incident with Joey. And so she never got to go back for another treatment. And then to make it worse, the one treatment she did go to, she got an infection in her ankle because of it, and it just spread. And so they gave my mom like two to three days to live. And I'm going to tell you what, this woman lasted for seven weeks, seven weeks um, fighting this cancer. But uh, during that time, my brother Lonnie, my sister Kelly, they came and stayed with me. Uh, and we all lived together for a seven-week period, which, you know, normally we couldn't really do a 70-minute period without some kind of fight breaking out. But uh, we did. And, the, and Burdette came and stayed with me for a few days. And it was, as, as, as hard as it was, um, it was a good time. And, you know, my mom fought as hard as she could. And, and we had a great time. We laughed a lot. We sat around and told stories and stuff. And uh, it was a fantastic time. Um, but uh, <laughs> I remember one one day my mom was, she was in a great mood. And, and Burdette was there. And they were telling stories about, you know, they had gone out a few times. And, and they they went out one night to, to go dancing and have some fun together. And they said they... They started drinking fairly early, and then they went to a place to get some, some some food. But all they had was like like snack food, like appetizers. And one of the things they had was Rocky Mountain oysters. I don't know if you guys know what those are, but they're they're bull testicles that have been basically flattened and deep fried. And so my mom and Burdette are talking about this night, and they had their little snack and their and you know they had their Rocky Mountain oysters, and they went partying and everything, and they got super drunk, and which is not typical. That's not what my mom and Burdette usually do, but I think they were just having a good time together. But uh, my mom was joking about how, you know, they probably wouldn't have been so drunk if they if they had uh, if they had eaten more before they went out. And I'll never forget my mom's my mom's phrase. She goes, "Yeah." I, 
I don't know how long balls are supposed to last you, but it didn't, it didn't do very well. So that was just my mom's sense of humor, man. She was so, she was so funny. Um, and you'll see that, you'll see that in the, in the movie as well. But, um, but, uh, yeah, that was, it was a, it was a, a weird time. Um, I, you know, at, at first, and I'm not trying to be dark and, you know, we'll, we'll start having some fun. I just want to wrap up this story about my mom, but uh, when they gave her the three days, I remember thinking, I just want to figure out a way to be somewhere else when she passes away. I want to be at the grocery store or in the bathroom or, you know, you know, at a movie or something. I don't want to be there. And, and, and as it stretched on, um, as it stretched on, my brother eventually had to go back home and my sister had to go back home and, and Kelly, I mean, Burdette had to go back home. Um, and so after about seven weeks, everybody had to go home. And by this point, my mom had been put in hospice and, uh, you know, it was, it was weird. It was such a blessing because, um, the day she passed away, it was actually just me and her. And it was the thing I was afraid of the most, but it was just me and her. And I, I, uh, held her hand and she had lost the ability to, to communicate, but I held her hand and, and. And her breathing was getting very weird, and, and um, I, I held her hand, and I was talking to her, and I was just telling her, you know, that we love her, and she did a good job as a mom, and, and you know, she doesn't need to be worried about anybody, and everybody's going to be okay. And, uh, you know, it's not it's not the end, the end. It's just, you know, goodbye for now. Um, but there was no, no reason to be scared, and there was no reason to feel guilty, and there was no reason to um, to worry about going. And I was just talking to her and telling her how much we loved her and appreciated her. And, and she, she passed away while I was talking to her. And it was weird. It sounds odd to say that was a blessing, but it actually was. It was a huge blessing to be able to be with her and be talking to her about something positive about herself and make her feel okay that when she went. And so, um, yeah, that's how that, that's how that played out. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was actually, it was, it was a, it was a good, it was a good thing that, you know, not that she's gone, but that it happened in that, in that way. Um, but, uh, so I lost mom in, in, uh, 2013, if I remember right. Uh, and then as far as dad is concerned, uh, he's still doing his thing. I mean, he stayed in horse racing. He's been in horse racing the whole time, um, travels around, but he's based in New Mexico and, um, this guy's something else, man. He just keeps keeps doing his thing. Earlier this year, he uh, he took a spill on a horse that no one else would ride, and uh, and hit his head, and uh, didn't really do much about it. They told him not to get on a horse for a month. For two days later, he was back on the same horse because nobody else would ride it, and that's just how he is. He's just like, screw him, I'll do it. Um, so he's riding again, and then about um, oh three weeks after that. He got pawed in the head, and then the day after that, he fell in the shower because he was dizzy and hit his head, and so finally, that was on a Sunday, he finally calls me on a Tuesday, and he's like, well, I guess I'll go to the doctor tomorrow. <laughs> okay, probably a good idea, Dad, probably a good idea. So he goes to the doctor, um, and then I get a call the next day, like a text actually, um, oh, hey, your dad's in emergency brain surgery. I'm like, holy shit, that's amazing. So... Uh, he's in brain surgery. They tell me it's going to take three hours, three hours and 15 minutes later, my phone rings and I answer and it's my dad. Hey, what are you doing? <laughs> Holy shit. Were they just messing with your brain? He's like, Oh yeah, I'm good. I'm, I'm fine. 
I'm like, okay, so he's fine. And then um, not supposed to get on a horse for the rest of the year, but about a month ago he's riding a horse and came off and broke his foot, and they fixed that. So that's just my dad for you. Just a cowboy, old cowboy guy, neat guy. But uh, he uh, he got remarried to uh, a woman named Patsy, and they're happy as can be and, and doing good, and so I'm happy for him. I'm happy for him. And that, uh, oh, and, and as far as Joey is concerned, I, I'm not sure. I think he got remarried too. I haven't spoken to him since we had to kick him out of the house, which is sad, but um, I hope he's doing well. But that kind of that kind of puts a bow on, on everybody from from the past and, and my, my childhood growing up and everything. And so I uh, hope it didn't bore you too much with that, but um, it's all part of the on-ramp, man. It's all part of how we got where we are now. Um, so I'm excited to share it with you. Uh, now that's going to wrap it up for episode three. Uh, we come back, uh, with episode four. I'm going to dive back into, you know, kind of how I went from there to here and, and I'll, I'll catch you up on, on those kinds of things. In the meantime, um, I'd, I'd love for you to check out our, uh, our primary podcast, which is the Juhu Roadshow. It's uh, found exclusively on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Juhu. Uh, it's a, it's a subscription based podcast, five bucks a month. And you get to, you get to listen to every podcast that we do. Uh, and we do some really, really cool interviews with some really, really cool people. So I really, uh, hope you go check that out. And I encourage you to subscribe because I think you'll, you'll come to find that it's, it's well worth it. I mean, I think it breaks down to about 86 cents a show for the entire year, you know, as you listen, um, absolutely worth it. Uh, But for now, you are listening to the Juhu Roadshow podcast on ramp. And I am Justin Hunt, and I appreciate you tuning in. And we'll, uh, we'll talk to you next time. Until then, you guys have a fantastic day.